Hello, 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 and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Kirk. Did you just try to up me by saying like seven hello hellos when I normally say two? I don't know. I have no idea what I said. I blacked out. I totally <laughs> Let me rephrase out. it. You said, hello, 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 hello. <laughs> you said it 45 times in a row. Yeah. And I was just sitting over here saying, oh my goodness, what do I get to say? Yeah. Now? Yeah. I have a bad habit of that. I anticipate and then I, then I duplicate. No, it's okay. I just, <laughs> if I need to then say 49 times to outdo you, oh. and this whole episode is just a back and forth of our hellos, <laughs> that's fine. Let's release it. I mean, hey, if that's what it turns into, that's what it turns into. We'll let the Lord decide. Uh, all <laughs> okay, right, now I'm go. scared. Now I'm scared. <laughs> with, with your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I'm your other co-host, Cam. And blue is the color of the day. Uh, for those of you who are not, not in podcast form, apparently... Apparently it's a blue day. It's all, all blue all the time. And our logo is blue. I think we must, I, I assume because we made our logo blue that we're both a little bit naturally predisposed to yes. blue. Um, so it, this will happen from time to time that we both wear blue. Um, if you are listening in podcast form and you haven't checked out our YouTube page, highly recommend you do so. Um, it's all updated. All of our reviews are on there. All of our episodes are on there. Anything that we've ever filmed, <laughs> everything we've ever recorded, on video is on there, I believe. Wow. Um, with some extra stuff on TikTok. So follow us on TikTok as well. But thank you so much for being here. We're doing a movie review. This is a movie review episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. This is a review that has been canned for a little while, meaning we've seen the movie a little while ago. I've been meaning to get to this review, but extraneous circumstances. Here, here's the actual thing, Kirk, is, and I, you think I learned from this at some point. If I ever promote anything on social ahead of time it will not happen some 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 detail of what i posted will not happen like either either the time will change the day will change the movie will change yeah what like every time i was like check it out thursday morning the lost city our review and immediately it was like hey i can't do thursday <laughs> five days later you will get this review <laughs> i've done that to you so many times it's and and you've done it it's just hilarious how that happens and i'm like well, one day we'll be promotional. <laughs> one day yeah. we'll be able to like do it. <laughs> I think we just need to be the surprise podcast, the surprise yeah. movie podcast. Um, it drops kind of like, what's the movie? Uh, Nick and Nora's Ultimate Playlist. Yeah. They, there's a band that they chase and you don't know when it's going to happen, <laughs> but then you get a message and you have to go to like this stall yes. in a dirty bathroom and say, oh great, that's where the concert's going to be. That's us. That's how exclusive of a podcast we are. And yes. how Not even we these. know. Not even we know when the episodes <laughs> go live. We have no idea. But that's that's a good plug because if you follow us, if you join our Discord, and I mean, I'm just being so pluggy today, so I apologize. But if you follow us on Discord and if you um, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever and you have your notifications turned on, you'll get a notice anytime an episode drops. And, and sometimes I'm like, oh, an, an episode just dropped? Great. Uh, even me. And, I, and I'm the one who posts them. So <laughs> that's just where we are. But And so I'm going to not learn from I'm going to not learn my lesson at all and I'm going to say this it's going to be a little bit of a different week this week this episode is being recorded on Sunday night for for release on Monday May 23rd book it book it Dano and then so here's where it gets fuzzy I don't think we're, we're not streaming tomorrow night we're not streaming Monday night May 23rd will not be a stream night the question or are we <laughs> I mean things could change but 
it's looking like either Tuesday or Wednesday night will be a stream night for us. So stay tuned on that. We will of course keep you up to date on social media. And then we're, we are in early discussions as they would say in, in like Twitter, uh, if you're follow like people who track con contracts, like film contracts and stuff like that. We're in early discussions about potentially reviewing Chippendale rescue Rangers this week as well. So, Stay tuned. We got a lot to get to. We've, we've got to clear the books before Top Gun, which comes yes. out um, very soon. This next weekend, we have to clear it before all of the, the big movies that are going to be coming out this summer, including Jurassic World Dominion and uh, Lightyear and all these big things that are coming out very, very soon. So without further ado, we are going to be reviewing a movie this week called The Lost City. It was originally titled, fun fact, it was originally titled The Lost City of D which would make sense if you've seen the movie. Um, but they changed the they changed the name to, I guess, make it more appealing. You know, the marketing people got their hands on that, and they said, nope, we're going to call it The Lost City. And that's what they did. But we're, we're reviewing a movie called The Lost City, starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. It's directed by Aaron and Adam Nee, who this is actually their first feature film that they've directed, but they will be directing the upcoming Masters of the Universe, He-Man, show um whenever that comes out it's in pre-production but this movie is available to view i don't know if it's still in theaters it was at the time that we watched it um but we couldn't get to the theater so we watched it on paramount plus it did okay in theaters um it's it's a profitable movie but we watched it on paramount plus which it is still available on but kirk why don't you tell us a little bit more about the lost city i would love to this is the tale about a romance author who goes on tour with the model of her book cover. Yes, that's right. Novelist, author, goes on a book tour with the model of her book on the cover. Picking up some undertones here, Kirk. It is not actually, you know, the de the full depiction of her character. It's just what helps sell these fluffy romance novels. Only then to be whisked away as soon as it's over, by a mysterious billionaire who blackmails her into solving the mystery from her book's source material. It's a, it's a whole series about this cryptic, crazy, ancient language that somehow this author has uh, figured out how to read all of this ancient language and hieroglyphics. Only her, only she took the time to do it. Therefore, she is an expert among all the other historians that walk this earth. And then more and more chaos ensues. And we follow them to the lost city of D. Very good, Kirk. Yeah, I think she's like, uh, and I'm forgetting all the details, but they do, they do dive into a little bit of backstory along the, somewhere along the lines of like, she went to school for something like that, like history or, or maybe like, archaeology or like something hmm. to in, in which she would know, I guess, and, and be somewhat of a specialist on ancient civilizations. And well, it would have been nice if they highlighted that a little it was, more. It was brief. It was brief. Um, Maybe a flashback. Could have, could have been. And, and she is a widow, uh, recently widowed as well. So she's kind of like, she's kind of rec a recluse now because she's, she's been widowed and doesn't go on as many adventures, etc. There's a lot of moving pieces with these characters or with her characters specifically. Um, and to Kirk's point, it's a little bit hard to like figure out, they drop in little nuggets here and there, but it's just never really like well documented or consistent. So let's get into the film. 
I feel like Please. there are some there are some undertones. As a reminder, we do we do spoiler spoiler full reviews. So if you haven't seen it, you're worried about getting spoiled. Um, avert your eyes and ears, and come back to us after you've seen the movie. I will say that this is a movie that is not very hard, like very easy to spoil because I feel like most of it is like formulaic in the trailer, formulaic or in the trailer. Yeah, there's not like. <gasps> you know, big gasp, crazy moments or anything like that. So you're probably safe, um, but, you know, to each their own. And we're going to get into it right now. We're going to get into it. Kirk and I have not talked to each other about this, as we always try try to do, unless we see a movie together, which sometimes then we kind of cross-talk it. But we have not talked to, to each other about this movie. I'm already picking up some some themes, Kirk, but I'm, I'm eager to hear, hear your thoughts. Um, <laughs> let's hear your thoughts on the Oscar goes to. Who was your best actor in this film? The Lost City stars Sandra Bullock and Chatting, Channing Tatum. My apologies. Neither of them gets my award for best Oscar. Let's just oh. be very clear. Ooh. The winner goes to Mr. Daniel Radcliffe, ladies and gentlemen, nice. a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. a hundred different, different, I can't talk tonight, a hundred different crazy indie roles. Your boy is on fire. He reads the script. He knows exactly how this character should be structured, and he is not phoning anything in it's absolutely crazy you see this silly maniacal you kind of uh, uh dexter's lab villain coming at you from the screen and daniel radcliffe has such passion and fire in his eyes there are several uh, iterations that we see in film history of like the bad guy who came to play but the movie doesn't always hold up this is one of them <laughs> because Daniel Radcliffe says, no matter what, I know that I did my best. And if everyone else wants to come and bring their level up or understand their character, well, that's on them. And he was great fire in his eyes. Everything made sense. Everything had intention from his movement to his words to his, uh, there are just a few jokes that he does in a kind of silly bad guy fashion. And he wasn't vaudevillian at all either. He was, very believable in a very unbelievable role. Like it made no sense that I was lingering uh, just on the edge of my seat with every word Daniel Radcliffe, the evil billionaire had to say, Daniel Radcliffe, congratulations. You win. All right. Good pick. I have, I do have thoughts on Daniel Radcliffe. I do. Um, But they will tie in better with my director's shoes. So I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it a little bit. Usually I would build on it. Today I'm going to can it. I'm going to save it for the more appropriate time because I don't want to tip my hand too much. Though I am about to majorly uh, show my hand here a little bit. Um, my Oscar goes to comes heavily caveated. So I did not. So a lot of times when I pick Oscar goes to, I go, I feel like it has to go. I almost do it like the way the Oscars do where it's like best actor and best actress goes to like, it's screen time based, right? And like dialogue based supporting goes behind that. So I kind of do that with scene stealer and Oscar goes to. So if I'm looking at screen time, the options really are Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe. That's pretty much it. Everything else I would kind of throw into that supporting role area. Um, And to be honest with you, I didn't love any of the performances and I will get into the Daniel Radcliffe stuff. As I said, I'm going to continue to tease that, but I am reluctantly going with Sandra Bullock here, and here's the heavy caveat. And this is bizarre. Like, I don't, I don't even know if this is going to make sense to anyone. Maybe this just makes sense in my head. But 
her reads, like her actual vocalization and, and the tone and, and how she was delivering lines was, uh, I have to be careful, was solid. It was borderline good. Like if you closed your eyes and listened to her delivering lines, you would be like, okay, this is good. She's building a, a decent character here. But her physicality and her emotion was horrible. Like, truly very bad. I thought that she was telling no story with her face and eyes whatsoever. Like, there was nothing. I mean, it was just almost expressionless to to a ridiculous extent in this movie. And I get that her character is a little bit of like, uh, you know, kind of like angry at the world. You know, she's had a rough go. She, you know, she lost her husband who she loves. She's kind of in a, in a job that she's kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't really, I'm not passionate about this. She's kind of like refinding herself that all I understand, but she gave no, no development around this character and her face actually didn't match up with what she was saying. Most of the time, it's kind of like when you watch an animated series and the voice actor, like is is way mismatched for the character and you're like that's weird like the way that he's phrasing this or that doesn't sound anything like the expressions on the face of the animated character this was like that but with a real person it was bizarre um so i realized that i picked her as my best actor and now i'm slamming her but her actual reads and the way that she interpreted the dialogue and delivered it was good like i am not a sandra bullock fan but i would say that it was on par for what she has done in some of her best movies. Like she delivered lines well, but the facial expression and, and physicality was bizarre. I have no explanation for it. I really don't. Um, so, so there's my heavy caveat, but I am picking her because, um, and here's the other thing. And this, I'm a big Channing Tatum fan. I would say more so than most people. I actually think that among comedic actors he's he's probably one of the best that we have i think he's actually a top five comedic actor that we have right now because he has the ability to be so funny like i watched free guy again over the weekend and his scenes in that movie it's basically a cameo but his scenes are absolutely hilarious um he's incredible in the jump street movies he has the ability to be very very funny unfortunately his character in this movie sucked his his dialogue was oh so bad and he didn't get a chance to shine. Uh, so it couldn't have been him. So I, I went with Sandra. You're holding stuff back for Daniel Radcliffe. So I'm going <laughs> to tear a page out of your book. And I'm going to hold stuff for both of the things you just said for okay. my director's shoes for Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum's performance. That's fair. So just put yeah. that in your pocket. That's what it sounds like when you tuck something into your Right. Pocket. Yeah, no, I, I recognize that sound. It's very familiar. <laughs> um, okay, so yes. I, that's fair. Well played. Good gamesmanship on your part, Kirk. Let's move on to Scene Stealer. I have a, I, I have a feeling I know where both of us are going here, but Kirk, by all means. That's right. That's right. I mean, this is easy. This is Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt comes into this movie, guns a-blazing, super silly. Uh, as a reminder, this film is a 
not officially a remake, but in the same vein of Romancing the Stone yeah. with Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas. And mm-hmm. there, there's no shame in any of that. Um, in fact, I wish they would have leaned into it a little bit more. As soon as she gets done with her book telling before she gets kidnapped by her, the millionaire, uh, her, his henchman at first, I believe it was, it, it literally says Romancing the Page behind her as she's, uh, as she's sitting or standing on the sidewalk in the city. And then Brad Pitt's character is the same name of the character that Michael Douglas played in Romancing the Stone, Jack Trainer. And Jack Trainer is this like PI. He's coming to help find Sandra Bullock. She's gone missing from Daniel Radcliffe, the billionaire who's kidnapped her to find, you know, whatever this mystery is. And Brad Pitt goes into the place that she's being held and literally kills every single living being in there. Or does he kill him or does he knock him out? I can't remember. A little bit of both. Yeah. Anyways. The fight scenes, the the absolute absurdity that Brad Pitt directs in his eyes, in his, his movements, in his vocalizations, everything is spot on as to how ridiculous of uh, of a character this should be, how ridiculous the movie as a whole should be and should be treated, the rules of the world. Brad Pitt knew it. He figured it out. He heard the vision and he went for it easily the best moment uh, of the entire movie as well. Brad Pitt, you killed it. Thank you for being in this movie and making this electric. Yeah, I mean, I I can't build much more on what you said, (laughs) but just to say that your point, the one point I want to emphasize here, and it will return to my director's shoes, is that Brad Pitt understood the assignment. He He just, more so than anybody else in this film, really understood like like he was able to take his part and the script and just immediately see what this movie should be and then make his character a part of the movie that he was seeing the unfortunate thing is he might have been the only person in the movie who understood it <laughs> to that level i mean there's nothing that this guy can't do as we well know i mean Brad Pitt is incredibly gifted and has found himself in many comedic roles you know, over the last 10, 15 years, especially, and just slayed it. I mean, just incredible. He has, he has great comedic instincts and him being in this movie, it was an absolutely pleasant surprise. Um, uh, he must be really good friends with somebody <laughs> to, <laughs> to appear. Um, but he was, he was great. Fantastic. Great cameo. Great, great role. Um, definitely brought a spark to this movie that was desperately needed. Um, probably could have used more of it in the back half if we're being yeah. honest. So I think Hollywood discovered how funny Brad Pitt was for burn after reading Yeah, because that character was especially eccentric and everyone was very shocked that he was cast in that role. Yep. And then one of the brighter spots of that movie, uh, the movie's silly and fun altogether, yeah. but man, he, <laughs> he steals the show in that one too. Yeah. And then it just kind of, you know, people started, not necessarily casting him in comedic roles, but like there's some of that, um, but also just like giving him an opportunity with within characters. Like I think of Inglorious Bastards to like yes be funny <laughs> in a movie that's like a pseudo comedy, but mostly not. Like th- those opportunities present themselves, and he just continues to deliver. And he's had lots of fun cameos. I think about oh my favorite, The Vanisher in Deadpool 2 when Brad Pitt is the vanisher and you only see him when he gets electrocuted by the yes. <laughs> the wire. Oh my gosh. All time. <laughs> and so it's it's fun to see him in these roles. I mean, he shines in everything he does, but he especially shines when you just like 
give him the spotlight in a short little bit part for a little bit and let, let him roll. So um, definitely my pick for Steen Steeler as well. There is no other choice. Like I, I yeah, film is always, always subjective and, and I, I always want the discourse. I always want the difference in opinion, but I feel like that is like, there is no other choice. Like this definitively, it had to be him had to be all right. Moving along. Let's get into the production. Let's talk about our showstopper best part of the movie or, or the thing that stuck out to you as a positive. And then we'll, we'll switch to director shoes after this to talk about the thing that stuck out as a negative Kirk fire away. Well, I'll just repeat myself. When Brad Pitt goes into that camp, (laughs) And kills all those agents. <laughs> That's the moment. It's that. I, I watched this movie with my wife, Aubrey, Cam's sister, and w- she stayed with me. She's like, I don't know if I can make it through this whole thing. And then we got there. It's like, oh, this is good. This is a good segment, a good sequence. And as soon as it ended, um, you, uh, our, our heroes, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum came back and it was like, nah, well, you know, it's it's an early morning for me. <laughs> She just went to bed while I finished this in the living room. This this sequence is so perfect. I don't understand how this sequence was so good. I mean, take Brad Pitt out of it. It had to be Brad Pitt. It had to be someone who understood the movement, the tactics, the fight choreography. But all together, everything else worked so well. Um, all of all of the everything was planned. Now, I mean, maybe it was all Brad Pitt. Maybe there was initial um, a basis for choreography, and then he amped it up because he's done so much of it throughout his entire life and career. So I don't know which which one it is. Could it have worked with any other actor? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, if you threw uh, Rob Schneider in there to be like a ridiculous, uh, goofy PI, I'm not sure if that would work quite as well as, as how this played out. It's the easiest, hands down, best part of the movie, and it's only like three and a half minutes tops. Yeah, it, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Um, it's it's a great pick. I I it's it's like again, kind of showing. <laughs> showing the hand it's like the the seed stealer was brad pitt and the best part of the movie was brad pitt and that that part of the movie was how much of it 10 percent less certainly less oh maybe two percent maybe (laughs) so uh um doesn't bode well i would say i'm just reading the tea leaves here i don't i don't think we're on a good trajectory i'm gonna go in a different direction um for my showstopper i'm going with the photography the cinematography photography the the funny thing about this movie, um, it's really well shot. It, it looks like a great adventure movie. It looks like how you would want an adventure movie to look. Like I, I just think like even if you look at the poster that we have up here, like it looks like a big blockbuster, colorful, vibrant, um, over the top adventure movie, which is really what I think the vision of this movie was meant to be. And our cinematographer, Jonathan Sela, um, who has been, I mean, this guy, I love this guy. Okay. He, he's done John Wick, Deadpool 2, Max Payne, um, all, he's doing Bullet Train, which also stars um, Brad Pitt coming up. So maybe that was the connection here. Um, tons of action and adventure movies, tons of, I mean, great stuff in here. Law-abiding citizen. Um, even if you don't like the movie, just think about the way that it looks, the aesthetic, the way that it was shot. And this movie, especially the action sequences, the chase sequences, running through the jungle, um, 
the big giant landscapes in the jungle environment of the volcano, the ancient city, the caves, the waterfalls, all of it looked great. I, I really did think that the whole time. I was like, you know what? Of all the things this movie falls short on, it really visually is is nice. It's nice to look at. It's has a nice diverse color palette, color grading, all of those things that go into um, cinematography that we love so much. And the camera action, the movement, um, really livened it up. <laughs> and it needed it needed it desperately. It needed some livening up. Um, so yeah, Jonathan Sella, our c- cinematographer, and, and the whole team behind behind the camera there working overtime to make this thing look the way that it should look. And I feel like they, they smashed it. So to me, it's cinematography. Okay. All righty. That was an ominous. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) That was like a, I, I like vehemently disagree with that, but by all means have your opinion. And I like that. I like it. (laughs) That was, all right, I'm just not going to fight you today. Cam. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll take that off the air. We'll take it off the air, but I love it. I love it. Um, my boxing gloves. <laughs> bring it on. Um, okay, next up, director shoes, Kirk. What what should have been changed in this one? Let me unveil. Let me unveil what I thought, talked about earlier. I dropped it. I'm coming back to it. It's time to surface it up. Sandra Bullock, Speed, The Net, The Proposal, Miss Congeniality 1 and 2, um, What's the one she won her Oscar for? The Blind, the blind side. side. I mean, tons, tons of great performances. Your girl knows how to read a script. She knows how to dissect it. She knows how to bring a character to life. And she's also one of these actors who may just be not one note, but, you know, similar to the same character over and over again. Not always. A lot of the movies I just listed are, they have big dynamics between them. But ultimately, this movie was screaming, just give us Sandra Bullock. And she was trying so hard to not be that. I also want to point out, and this is hard for me, but I also want to point out that she's going through a little bit of a Nicole Kidman phase where she's trying to figure out what roles do I take on? Am I the beauty? Am I the the rom-com uh, queen? What does she want to be, right? I say Nicole Kidman specifically because there was a period of time where there was a lot of, and this is documented, this is public, and I don't know about for Sandra Bullock, there was a lot of Botox going on. And literally for several films, her face did not move. And then guess what? Those movies all tanked. And then guess what? She stopped doing that kind of Botox regimen. And now we've got Nicole Kidman killing it, absolutely killing it in the streaming services on multiple different, uh, I mean, Hulu, we have HBO Max, two different series. Yeah, she's a perennial, have, she's a perennial Academy Award nominee, you know? Yes. I mean, she is just killing it again. She killed it before and she's killing it again. And I don't understand, like, I get it, like trying to find your way in Hollywood Hollywood, and figuring out what way do I need to look and, oh, man, I don't like that. That has got to be so difficult. But you can tell because her face doesn't move, like Cam said, and but all the vocalizations are correct. So I think this is just one of those periods in, in an actor's life where they are trying to figure out what do they look like, what career path do they really want, and I wish that the director would have helped her guide her into a different way. So if, if she was physically unable to do all of the incredible things that we can see her emote 
uh, the, a character like we know she can do and, and is able to do and will be able to do again, I wish that the directors would have been able to guide her on a path to figuring out what the workaround, what that would be. That's the director's job. It's a producer's job ultimately, but definitely the director has to figure out how to make that scene work. And same thing with Channing Tatum. You know, he's fantastic. He is absolutely hilarious. What worked against him here was, I think, the writing of this. This movie was 1, written percent. with Ryan Reynolds in mind. Mm. And Ryan Reynolds did not come into this movie. And listen to me, the proposal is absolutely maybe my 100% favorite rom-com with Sandra Bullock and uh, him there in Alaska, Betty White. I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's a perfect movie. And you get Channing Tatum trying to do the voice, not the literal voice, but the comedic voice of Ryan Reynolds throughout here. And sometimes literally when jokes are said in this movie, you're like, hmm, that would have been funnier if Ryan Reynolds had said that line because you can hear the tone, the rhythm. They didn't change it. Like, I kid you not, they did not change it. They just thought, hey, that joke should land no matter what. No, if you write for a rhythm of a person that you know can kill it with that rhythm, then that's the only way it's going to land. They needed to tweak it for Channing Tatum's style, which they tried to do. They tried to let him run the gambit with, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> run the gambit for Too uh, improv. <laughs> Too soon, Cam says. Uh, run, run it with improv, which Channing is really good at doing, but I don't necessarily think that's Sandra Bullock's strength. So when you have it happening on both sides, then it just gets kind of messy, and then we're just trying to find the voice when it should have been, went back to the writer's room, and it didn't. So we have those two major, major problems with our two central characters, and the director should have noticed, noticed that immediately. He also should have noticed that I can't speak today on this podcast, which is great because it's audio only. So enjoy that to our listeners. Give me one second. I'm, I'm making a quick note here. So on... May 22nd, 2022, Kirk said the proposal is a perfect film. Okay, got it. Yes. Just want, just like no reason. Just wanted to make sure I logged that one. Um, not going to bring it up ever again, probably. You know, I just, I, I'm a diligent note taker, so I just want to make sure that that's, uh, that's captured for the record, just for the record. Nothing else. Formality, total, total formality. Uh, okay. Moving right along to my director's shoes. I think those were good points all around, man. What they did to my boy Channing Tatum. Look how they massacred my boy. You know, look how they massacred my boy. That the writing was bad. His he had he was given a bad character. It did not fit. Um, here here's my director's shoes, and that's that the the creative vision was totally off kilter. Here, I think there were people in this movie who understood it, um, and and those people are Brad Pitt. Those people are the cinematographer and Daniel Radcliffe. Actually, did understand what this movie is supposed to be. The problem is that those people um, ended up looking preposterous in what the movie ended up being. So like Daniel Radcliffe, and I think you even alluded to this, Kirk, like gives this great performance um, if the movie is a very goofy, goofball type of eccentric, out there, wacky comedy adventure movie, um, which it never achieves. It never achieves that. And so he's playing the role to that, and it would have been perfect if everybody else had matched his energy, but our two leads do not. Our two leads do not match the energy. And um, just overall, it, it's very simple. This is a comedy that's not funny. It's a comedy that's not funny. And, and like, that's, it's, like, it's like a narrative that's a, that has a, a messy plot. It just does not work. As soon as 
as soon as the comedy falls out of this movie, which is, well, no, the comedy's never there. You know, it comes in on the Brad Pitt part and, and disappears. And there are moments, very small fleeting moments, um, but it's just never there consistently. And so this movie really never had a chance. I just wish the directors of this film, um, the Knee brothers, I wish they had seen, like, I think they probably knew that going into it and it got lost somewhere in the edit or somewhere in the direction. Somewhere along the road, they lost the path, which was to create a goofball, zany adventure romance story that is super over the top and, and, and eccentric and crazy and funny because of it, totally goofy, but then has a heartfelt you know, rom-com punch at the end and it just never got there. It never got there at all. It never delivered. And so as a result, like other things, that was the first domino to fall that, that toppled everything else. And so Daniel Radcliffe, who is acting his tail off in this movie, working so hard to make it work, he never stood a chance. Never stood a chance. And um, it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh, but this movie has potential, actually. In fact, like, Sure, it's formulaic, but there was so much that could have been done here to make it better. And a lot of the set pieces that they had that were supposed to deliver a good comedic, comedic punch, you could even argue that like the writing was kind of there and they just needed some more takes where they actually get the timing right because the timing was consistently off. And a lot of times the writing was off, but there were times where it's like this could have been really funny if they had actually taken the time to make yes. sure it was delivered correctly, make sure it was timed out correctly, like take the time to get the take. Um, and maybe that's a factor, you know, this is first first feature film for these guys. I don't want to act like I'm close to the production and know all the things that are going on, but I'm just speculating here. It's hard. You know, Sandra Bullock is a big deal. Channing Tatum is a big deal. You're dealing with some huge names. Maybe it's hard to push back. It's like a coach of a basketball team with a bunch of stars. It's hard to give feedback, Right but they needed it. It needed to be fine tuned. It needed a detailed approach and it really had so much potential that's left out there. And I want to go back to your point, go off script here a little bit and go back to your point about Sandra Bullock. Yeah. If that is what's going on, like if it, if it is that she can't find the transition point, like, you know, she's, she's getting older in her career. Doesn't really know where she fits in in Hollywood. Now that's really sad. Like if, if that is the is. case, that is really sad because that is something that happens to women in the industry that doesn't happen to men because from Sandra Bullock's generation, all of the actors who are her age and female, they were like, everything was so focused on their appearance and like luckily now, and it's still bad, but there are things that are changing to where there are these these great female actors who have carved out roles and, and, and a niche and, and their range without having to be, you know, super hot or, or whatever it is. Like there are people who have done that and are continuing to do that, but it just sucks for this other generation that it does. They have no identity now because it's like, and it's not that Sandra Bullock's not pretty or anything like that. That's not at all what I'm trying to get to, but it's just like, they have to find different ways to unlock it in a way that men from their generation didn't have to. They just kind of seamlessly transitioned into these other roles, you know, like, and, and these, these women continue to get typecast in things or, or only seek out roles that are familiar with what they were doing before, which really limits them. And, it, and like, I don't know if I'm wording that correctly, but the point is it's, it's not eloquent because I'm, I'm kind of like 
haven't put that much thought behind it, but it's sad. Like what you're describing is sad to me and I hate that for them. It is. You're nailing it because there's old cinema and new cinema. There's old, old cinema and old style of acting, right? And then we have the the last movie stars are really kind of in their 50s, right? We know that Sandra Bullock is uh, in her in her 50s or just under, which is totally fine. Who cares? Age is but a number. But the pressure, just as you said, is so specific on how to get butts and seats and how to get a fan base following you and how to market a film. Yes. And so you get this idea of, yeah, if I'm on the screen, I have to be the love interest. I have to look a certain way. I have to uh, satisfy the needs of the producers and the marketing team and the whole entire studio versus now actors coming into the game today. Uh, females who are coming in, they're saying, yeah, do whatever character makes the most sense for you. And you can, ha- you you can be in love. You don't have to be, we can write out the love interest. Right. We can ha- make you have a kid, make you not have a kid. All that sort of stuff that was, uh, that was archetype for women coming into film is now more flexible but if yes. you were already part of that it's just in your brain and the whole world already sees you as that way too so it's about breaking you said it perfectly too it's about breaking that down and restructuring it so the pressure that pressure that specific pressure of i need to make sure that i could play either one i can be um I, that people don't think i'm my age when they look back at the years that my uh, initial debut came through no one's looking at that for you sandra bullock we just want to let you know it's just that it's very clear that this wasn't the best performance and we know that it absolutely could have been it could have been yes. an absolute blast yeah i th- i look at and I am not making a comment about this person's appearance at all. I'm just making a statement. I look at the career path that Jesse Buckley is on. And that is really encouraging to me. And this has zero to do with her appearance. It has everything to do with the fact that she is being cast based on her range and her talent. And it has nothing to do with her appearance. Nothing. That didn't exist. That did not exist. This is a new thing. This is totally new. And Jesse Buckley is going to go on to do amazing things because she's an exceptional talent. And I yep. hope and pray <laughs> that it continues to be about that and about nothing else. Um, because it has been so far, and she's doing awesome stuff. I, I mean, I really do love what she's able to bring. And I'm so happy that that is like a real path for people now because the reality is that it just didn't exist and this was not that long ago. Right. And I hope it echoes into, again, yes. the last great movie stars, right? Like how, how it was before streaming came about and you can just onload um, any movie that you wanted at yeah. any time, pick up, you know, these indie films and throw them out there. Like, absolutely. Uh, Jesse Buckley is, is the perfect example for this as one of the trailblazers. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think uh, Sandra Bullock deserved better. And that goes into effect of the, her team, her entourage saying, yep. you know, leading her to how, you know, her PR team, how she should look um, and what's expected of her. Well, I mean, what, what do you, what do you want people to think of you, Sandra? Like just stick with that. And that's gotta be so hard. It's gotta be so hard. Yeah, I think it is. All right. Good stuff. Let's, let's move on to final thoughts and scores on the lost city. Kirk, you have the first crack at it. It's tough. It's a tough movie. It does not make sense to me. The audience score and the critics score. It did not land with me. This should have been uh, a standalone um, 
not even rom-com, but just standalone adventure film about uh, just nonsense. And as Camp said very beautifully, you know, some people got it. They, they understood the vision and they were there. But the critical pieces did not get it. And that's what hurts this movie so much. I'm giving this movie a 3.7 out of 10 kernels. Was this well-reviewed? It was. Oh, it, it was? Currently, it has a 79% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. I'm going to go read those because I... So here's the thing about Rotten Tomatoes, and I know we've talked about it before, but as a reminder, it is based on the percentage of positive reviews. So they don't have to be five stars. They could be like 3.25, <laughs> you know, uh, type of scores. Um, so I just, I always wonder, and, and, and generally speaking, it's still a good metric for, for gauging uh, sentiment among critics, yep. for sure. Uh, but there are there are cases where something is just like kind of liked by critics. And so the score is real high and you're like, oh, wow, you know, 79, 70, or, you know, 80. Oh, that's a, that's a great movie. Um, and the numbers don't always tell the story. I have no idea if that's the case here, but it, it does intrigue me and I want to go out and read it. Um, so that's interesting. Our score is going to be very close, Kirk. My, my final thoughts, I'm going to keep it simple. It's a comedy that's not funny and, and that makes it dead on arrival. Never stood a chance. Never, ever stood a chance. Um, uh, it may be in the writer's room. In the writer's room, it had, a, it had a fighting chance, but as soon as this thing, as soon as they started rolling, it was over. It was over, and I think that they didn't get the right takes or they didn't get the right edit, and, and they just let this thing become a really, really mediocre piece of, of film. And I think, I think, you know, genre notwithstanding, it's, it's, it could have been... Great. It, it, it could have. I really do. I see the potential. I see the vision. It's there. And, and there are people who were working on this that saw it as well. Um, but it just never got there. And so it falls flat. It falls painfully flat at times, man. Oh, some of those scenes are really tough to watch and tough to get through. And man, my heart hurt for Daniel Radcliffe when no one, none of his scene partners were matching his energy at all. None, none, not matching his energy at all. And it just made him look insane. Um, he was doing all of the right things and yet there was nobody backing him up. It's like, <laughs> it's insane. It's like letting somebody run out into an angry crowd and being like, all right, I got your back. I, I'm behind you 100%. And then you just leave them in the dust. Like that is, that is what they did to Daniel Radcliffe. It's, it hurts me. It hurts me. Uh, I feel bad for him, but bless his heart. He did his best. Every, I think there were a few people here who really were doing their best, but it just did not come together for me. It's a 4.0, 4.0 out of 10, two stars out of five, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's where it's at. It, it can't go any higher than that for me. There's an old article on Screen Rants I pulled up while we've been recording, and it's called The 15 Great Villains Trapped in Bad Movies. Yes! <laughs> this, should, this article should be updated. Add him, uh, add him to the list, man. <laughs> it's bad. It's so, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating when you have a performance that great in something that wasn't aligned and, and at the collaboration level. And that's why we see some uh, Academy Award 
Oscars and winners in movies that are stinkers. I mean, yeah. Iron Lady Meryl Streep, no other awards, but she won the Oscar and she walked away with it. Yeah, because I think others. she saw the vision. And I think yeah. that's that's probably why Dan, like this is not a role that Daniel Radcliffe would usually take, right? Can we agree on that? Like, I don't think he doesn't yeah. target roles like this. He's doing There's, way zanier stuff. You know, he's doing yeah. Swiss Army Man and and the Weird Al Yankovic biopic. Like, the only other time he's done this, and you know, hold your breath, please. Oh it boy. was in Now You See Me Too. Oh with no, Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> and Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah and tell you what i did not remember that that no. performance was not great but i wonder if he's like i'm gonna get it right this time. <laughs> <laughs> i mean he saw the vision man that's what sucks about it like he clearly his agent came to it he, he was like listen man you've got an out we can audition you for this I, I mean on the paper it looks good what are you feeling and he was like yeah i see the vision let's go Yep. And it just fell. It just crumbled. It was sand through his fingertips. He never. He couldn't save it. No, nothing could be saved. It was just. It was doomed from the beginning, and, and he he was doomed with it. So that's that's yeah. painful. But thoughts and prayers, Daniel Radcliffe, R.I.P. Man, you did your best. <laughs> you did your best. Um, so that's the Lost City. If you saw it, let us know your thoughts. Uh, can't wait to read this critic reviews. I feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, but it it could have been so much better. We will be reviewing another movie very soon. It could be, could be Chippendale Rescue Rangers. We'll keep you guys posted. Um, talk about a movie I have seen some reviews on, and they've been overwhelmingly positive, I think, based on what I've seen, just taking the litmus test, uh, putting my finger on the pulse and seeing what people say. It's, it's been good feedback. I tell you what movie we're not going to see is Firestarter on Peacock. No. Nope. No. <laughs> no. Rest Sorry, peace, Zach, Zach Efron. Efron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, R.I.P. Sweet Prince. It's it's over for you, man. It's gone. We got he's sign him up. Were you the one who said he needs a new agent right this minute? I did. Yeah, I mean, I come on, dude. Get this man some he's, help. Get him some he's help. So much better than that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. So not we will not be reviewing Firestarter. We may be reviewing Chippendale Rescue Rangers. We'll keep you posted. We'll hopefully be streaming on Tuesday. Lots of lots of vagueness going on. But until that time want to thank you so much for listening of course you can find us on all the social medias we're there if you if you if you scroll it we're on it um yes. please find us and follow us and, and communicate with us we'd love to engage with you guys and talk about movies our favorite thing to do um, but until next time and whenever we speak to you next I want to give a special thanks to ryan spriggs our executive producer who is also the voice behind rhetoric the music you're hearing right now, written written by uh, Rhetoric and performed by Rhetoric. Find those guys everywhere you listen to music, and we will see you next time. Talk to you then. Man.